The Tales of Sage and Savant, Synopsis Season 1. Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant, a Twin Star production. This broadcast is brought to you on the first of each month from the Twin Star Studios in sunny Southern California. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail Entwistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. A small bit of background. It is 1894, and Petronella Sage is one of a limited number of female scientists who have achieved success in academic realms. This is an alternate history steampunk universe, which means we get to play with anachronistic ideas. For our story, Dr. Sage is angling to become a fellow at King's College, a fictional university lauded for its medical and historical science departments. She is under immense pressure to perform well and to bring credit to the institution in order to achieve this goal. The doctor began her investigations into galvanism, which is the study of the application of electricity to human flesh, in an effort to advance the science of limb reattachment. Her desire is to succeed in grafting a limb from a donor cadaver onto a living subject who has lost an arm or leg. And now, an episode-by-episode breakdown of the story thus far. Episode 1. Our story centers on Dr. Petronella Sage, a young scientist in the year 1893. Petra Sage has pale freckled skin, rather frizzy red hair, and a complete disregard for fashion. She is a senior researcher at King's College, focused on limb reattachment. Dr. Sage is in the midst of a galvanism experiment on the cadaver of a young woman killed in a steam carriage accident. By attaching electrodes to strategic points on the naked cadaver, and attaching corresponding electrodes to her own person, she will attempt to move the cadaver's arm using the electrical impulses from her own brain. Her experiment is interrupted by the entrance of her friend and colleague, Professor Erasmus Savant. He is a dapper man with a mop of dark auburn hair and a kindly face. Savant immediately volunteers to help however he can, and Sage explains that he can help if needed by turning the dials to add electrical amperage from the dynamo crackling with electricity suspended overhead. While she readies the final details, she and the professor discuss the theosophists and the transmigration of the human soul. Sage explains that though she will, in a sense, be transferring her consciousness, the resulting activity will be explained by science and not theosophy. Savant offers to stand out of the way and attempts to wedge himself into a corner of the very crowded laboratory. He bumps into a large jug of boiling water near his perch as he maneuvers into place, and the doctor cautions him about the faulty stand. Sage takes a moment to record her notes using an Edison wax cylinder machine, and then attempts to move the cadaver's arm, but is unsuccessful. More voltage is needed. She instructs the professor to begin adding amperage by turning the dials on the console near her chair. Savant reaches over the boiling water to turn the dials. Nothing happens. Savant adds more electricity. Nothing happens. Savant stretches further to increase the amperage, and his hip knocks into the water crucible. Savant lunges to catch the toppling water, burning his arms as they come into contact with the glass. Sage succeeds in flexing the cadaver's hand and twitching the arm in concert with their own movements. You've done it, Savant cries, letting go of the boiling water. It smashes to the laboratory floor, splashing water across the doctor's chair. 
The electricity in the dynamo overloads and escapes containment, sending bolts of electricity into the water-charged air. Savant screams a warning and throws himself across the doctor's lap to shield her from the lightning, and he is struck square in the back. All goes dark. When Sage opens her eyes, she is outside on the bank of a hill on a bright and sunny day. Her nose is filled with smoke and her ears with a dull roaring. She cannot make sense of the scene before her and thinks that perhaps the laboratory incident has spilled into the college quad. She takes a quick physical inventory and is surprised to find that she is wearing trousers and has a curious patch of wetness on her side. She determines that she's having a delusion. Hearing a man's voice call her name, she answers. A great bear of a man with a mass of prickly facial hair swims into view through the smoke. Petra, he says, can this be you? After a few credulous moments, she realizes that the hairy man saying he is Professor Savant is absolute proof that she is delusional. He sits beside her and makes the observation that he believes they've transmigrated somehow and are on the battlefield of Auerstadt nearly 90 years in the past. As he explains his reasoning, the hill they are on is overrun by French cavalry, and though they stand and attempt to fight, they are cut down. Sage awakens in the ruins of her laboratory, Savant's inert form splayed across her lap. She unbuckles and revives him, telling him about the strange delusion she had of being at Auerstedt. He assures her it was not a delusion. In fact, he asserts that they somehow transmigrated into bodies on that bloody field. Over the professor's protestations, Petra immediately begins to set her laboratory to rights so that she can repeat the experiment. Episode 2 Determined to prove that she and the professor somehow managed to link consciousness, Sage has spent a month attempting to recreate the laboratory accident with no results. The memory of the professor's scream provides the last piece of the puzzle, and she rigs a cladney table to produce a tone. She convinces the professor to come back to the laboratory so they can test her theory. He arrives to see she's reconfigured the lab to allow for controlled release of the water and electricity, and given them both slab tables on which to recline. She sets the machinery in motion and they transmigrate on a tide of electrical energy. They awaken in the body of a minister and his spinster sister being posed for an after-death portrait. They're observed by the photographer and the minister's young child, and before Sage and Savant can react, the word spreads through the city that a miracle has occurred. They are in the city of Boston in 1850. They attempt to sneak out of the house, but are met by a mob demanding proof of their resurrection. When Savant cannot prove that he is the minister reborn, the mob turns ugly. Sage and Savant attempt to run, but in the unfamiliar city, they take a wrong turn and plunge to their deaths off of a steep hill. They awaken in the lab, and when Sage states that they should try again as soon as possible, Savant says, but we died. Surely we will not put ourselves through that again. And Sage responds, death is no barrier to science. Episode 3 Trying to control the experience of transmigrating through the shifting pitch of the Cladney device, Sage sends them to 1928 New York City. She awakens in a speakeasy in the body of a young starlet who died of alcohol poisoning. Savant is in the body of a chauffeur frozen to death outside of the club. When the coppers raid the bar, the barman hustles Sage and a friend out through a hidden entrance. They emerge into a blizzard and trip over the form of Savant. 
Sage convinces the friend to call a cab and get them home. Home turns out to be a swanky penthouse overlooking Central Park. Realizing Savant is severely hypothermic, Sage prepares to strip their clothes and get under the blankets with him to warm him. This is too much for the friend who threatens to tell the starlet's jealous boyfriend and leaves in a huff. Sage and Savant pass the night in each other's arms and awaken to a bright morning. The newspaper tells them they are in the future, and they are dressing to get ready to explore when the aforementioned jealous boyfriend returns home to find them in a state of partial undress. In a fit of jealous rage, the boyfriend shoots them both. Episode 4 Back to New York, but this time only a few years into the future. They transmigrate into the bodies of street children, part of a gang known as the Hell's Kitchen Hounds. A small boy named Ethan is present when they awaken and believes the bodies of his friends have been possessed by demons. Sage decides to tell Ethan the truth, and the boy reluctantly accepts their presence. They spend a few days as pickpockets, and Sage decides to teach Ethan skills in electrical wiring so that he can make an honest living once the travelers have gone. Caught up in the excitement of the newsboy strike, they get caught in a riot and are trampled to death. Episode 5. For the first time, Sage transmigrates into the body of a man. They are in the hold of a ship, and both bodies were victims of battle. Sage performs triage on their wounds, and they discover that Savant is a pirate, and Sage was from the ship he attacked. Taking the pirate articles, Sage joins Savant, and they spend a lovely couple of weeks sailing the high seas, only to die in a mutiny attempt. Episode 6. The provost of the medical sciences department, Mr. James Cunningham, has his mind set against female scientists and actively looks for faults in their practices in order to pull them up. The extraordinary amount of electricity Sage's experiments are using has caught his attention, and Cunningham schedules an inquiry. Unwilling to disclose the full depth of her research out of fear that the study of transmigration might be given to a male researcher, Sage faces the panel claiming that the electricity draw is for her galvanism studies. Cunningham is about to exile her to teaching duties and strip her of her laboratory access when a stranger enters, offering a very large endowment for Sage to continue her work. The stranger hints at the transmigration studies, mentioning Boston, New York, and the future. Cunningham reluctantly agrees to the endowment, which will pay for a new, larger laboratory for Sage with unlimited electricity. As she leaves, the stranger hands Sage a card reading Les Chargés de l'Affaires. Savant advises that they cannot know who this mysterious organization is and that they must stop transmigrating. Sage replies that she must continue her research. Episode 7, Part 1 Sage is introduced to Mix Abigail Entwistle, the young doctorate student that Cunningham has appointed as her watchdog. Sage chafes at the imposition, but finds Abigail herself delightful. Luckily, the term is over, and Abigail will be going away for the long break through the holidays. A new and much larger laboratory and improved equipment, including suits that process bodily waste, allow Sage and Savant to transmigrate farther than they've ever ventured before to Renaissance Italy. They awaken in Naples in 1456, the victims of a horrible earthquake. Sage is in the body of a young mother, and Savant is her infant. A handsome Italian husband complicates things as Sage settles into life leading up to Christmas. Episode 7, Part 2 Sage is beginning to lose herself to the fantasy of marriage and family. 
Aftershocks continue to rock Naples, claiming more lives. Savant tries in vain to get Sage to see reason, but his cranky crying is treated as any baby's fussing. The family moves into the home of their priest for Christmas Eve, and a night of romance and marital bliss causes Sage to fall deeper in love with Marsilio. The plan had been to seek death before the holy day, but instead, Sage lingers in the arms of her handsome Italian. On the twelfth day of Christmas, they die in another horrible earthquake. Episode 8 Not fully recovered from the emotional effects of their time in Italy and restricted to transmigrating on the weekend, Sage decides to send them to the Middle Ages. They inhabit the body of Vikings on the shore of the New World. They're wearing funerary garb and have suffered head trauma. They wander the forest, feeling eyes on them at every turn. Eventually, they find the Viking party and are regaled with tales of their exploits. They vow to finally try suicide if a method of death does not present itself in the next day. But luckily, they are assigned to man a longship, which is sailing for home, filled with plunder from this rich new world. The dawn sky is bright red, an old sailor's warning, and Sage posits that slipping into the sea and drowning will be the most painless way to end the transmigration. She is right. When they arrive back in the laboratory, Abigail's in the outer room, and without thinking, Sage runs out in her Faraday armor to placate the girl by making up a quick story about conducting sleep studies on herself. Sage promised to show Abigail how that works in the morning, so overnight, Sage and Savant transform the laboratory into a boudoir. Episode 9 Sage shows Abigail the transformed laboratory and demonstrates how the CRAP helmet work and the console which controls the machinery. The girl is satisfied with the explanation, and after she leaves, Sage and Savant transmigrate to second century China and meet an alchemist named Wei Boyang. Savant is in the body of a student, but Sage has inhabited a dog. Savant learns that Wei Boyang believed he'd created an elixir of eternal life, he, the dog, and the student had all taken the elixir and died. The alchemist was thrilled to awaken and find his elixir efficacious. Savant at first believed Sage was in the body of Wei Boyang and was putting him on. But he comes to understand that the doctor has inhabited the dog. As they walk down from the mountaintop, Savant ends up telling Wei Boyang the truth of their transmigrations from the first accident through their present incarnations. The Chinese scientist accepts it all with equanimity. He explains the Chinese concept of the key and the shen and demonstrates his prayer bowl. They stop at the side of the road, and Wei Boyang mixes a batch of his elixir to send them home. Episode 10 Dr. Sage is called away for family business, and Abigail takes her chance to test the sleep monitoring apparatus. She straps on a CRAP helmet and turns the knobs on the console and she transmigrates to Pompeii, circa 79 AD. Believing that she is trapped in a horrible dream, Abigail steals bread from a roadside vendor to assuage her hunger and is chased by centurions. A strange girl pulls her to safety and helps her survive, believing Abigail to be good luck because she is mad. Savant discovers Abigail's body and sins for Sage immediately. Sage convinces the professor to stand watch as she transmigrates in an attempt to find Abigail. After wandering around the city for hours, Sage hears the unmistakable sound of Gilbert and Sullivan sung at outrageous volume and knows she has found her young assistant. 
Convincing Abigail that she is not mad, nor is she dreaming, Sage comes clean on the true scope of her research. As the volcano sends phytoclasmic blasts through the streets, they die and return to the laboratory. Abigail promises to not tell Cunningham until the doctor is able to go over all of the research findings with her. Episode 11 Abigail learns the full truth of transmigration and asks for time to consider her decision of whether or not to tell Cunningham. Sage promises not to transmigrate again until that decision is made. Unfortunately, a drunken knight and an ill-timed wager send Sage and Savant 2,000 years into the future. They awaken in a sterile white room wearing form-fitting clothes. There are no visible marks or equipment in evidence. A door lens is open in the wall and a woman steps through. She introduces herself as Phi-01 and is quite flustered at the presence of Dr. Sage, whom she identifies without prompting. Sage and Savant are kept locked in the room and receive only hints which they piece together to mean this future place practices transmigration, and the bodies they are in were not dead, just vacated by people who are currently transmigrating. Episode 12, Part 1 Abigail decides not to inform Cunningham but only if they establish firm ground rules for transmigration. After discussion, they come up with the following rules. Rule number one, no transmigratory scientist shall knowingly interfere with the course of history. Rule number two, no knowledge gained through transmigration to the past or future can be manipulated for personal gain. Rule number three, no technology nor knowledge thereof can be utilized prior to the point of its original inception. After agreeing to these rules, the doctor and professor suit up for a short jaunt into the past. Sage awakens in the body of a shipwrecked Moorish sailor off the coast of Senegal. There is no rescue in sight and no sign of the professor. Sage can only assume that he did not make it. She endures many privations and trials as she fights to stay on the raft of the Medusa alongside the crew of the ill-fated French frigate. After 15 days adrift, they are rescued, but the body Sage occupies is too weakened by wounds, exposure, and infection. As she lies dying, she learns that other victims of the shipwreck had arrived at the hospital the day prior. Sage convinces a nurse to ask after Erasmus' savant, but the doctor transmigrates home before she can learn of her partner's fate. Episode 12, Part 2 we backtrack to learn of the professor's fate in the wake of the Medusa shipwreck. He is transmigrated into the body of a 12-year-old ship's boy who had made it safely into a lifeboat only to die of head injuries in the storm that followed. Savant is in the company of two French girls who were traveling with their father bound to be governor of Senegal. When the storm recedes, the lifeboats are able to make it to shore and the party travels overland through the desert to reach St. Louis. Along the way, they meet an Englishman, an adventurer, and Savant takes his first camel ride. In the hospital, Savant hears a nurse calling his name and rushes to Sage's bedside, but he is too late. Back in the laboratory, Sage attempts to bring the professor home by experimenting on his body. When she jabs a pin into the plantar fasciitis, his body reacts with extreme pain, and, unbeknownst to the doctor, Savant feels that phantom pain in Senegal but he does not return to his present. All alone in Senegal, the 12-year-old professor takes employment with the Englishman and sets out on a great desert adventure. 
As our season draws to a close, Sage and Abigail keep vigil at the professor's bedside, and Petra begs her friend to come home to her. Thank you for listening to this synopsis for Season 1 of The Tales of Sage and Savant. Armed with the knowledge from this track, you will have all the information you need to begin listening at Episode 201, The Prodigal Professor.